0: Welcome, episode 95 of the Ask Achieve show, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business.
1: We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be discussing our thoughts on weight belts, how to incorporate accessory lifts, and hips shooting up first in a deadlift. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show.
0: What's up, Achievers? So if you're hearing some background static noise, it's not from the audio, it's actually... Um, a white noise machine that we're playing for Kendrick while he's napping. Um, (laughs) The only way he'll nap. It's a a miracle. Like, if he starts to fuss in the car or starts to cry, like, we just put on Spotify white noise, like, throughout the entire car, and he just quiets down so quickly.
1: It's amazing. We were actually, we came up with an invention when we were out to dinner Mm, because we were out to dinner and he started crying, and so we put our phone in his, like, little seat that he was sitting (laughs) in, and he, like, instantly fell asleep. We were like, they should make car seats with, um... Like speakers, speakers yeah. like little speakers <laughs> that have white noise just already like going, and or that you can turn on and off, and it would be brilliant for like be- car yeah. trips and.
0: Beats by Dre definitely needs to hop on that. Yeah, or we should hop on that and get a get a patent pending.
1: I know, maybe yeah. I shouldn't have said anything. Yeah. <laughs> if anyone out there is an engineer, they're probably working on it right yeah. now because it's a they're brilliant like, they're idea. Like, oh
0: my god, let's <laughs> go to Shark Tank right now.
1: <laughs> That's fine. I would be proud just to have been a part of that. Yeah. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> All right. So let's get into our first question. This one is from Cassandra.Skyler. And she said, one question that I had was whether a belt is beneficial to use when doing higher weightlifting movements. I've heard some say a belt takes away from building up your core, and others who have said it makes it safer when lifting heavy. For example, doing deadlifts, cleans, back squats, etc. would love Hope to hear your thoughts and recommendations on using a belt. Thanks.
0: Um, so this is a question that we answer um, you know, every now and then because I think it is a common one and I think um, it's worth just you know, repeating some of the statements that we've already made. Um, as far as weight belts go, we're definitely in the camp for the vast majority of people. We do think that if you use a weight belt, it does tend to sort of be a little bit of a crutch. You tend to lean on it because you're relying on it for enhanced stability. Um, you know, and it can help out for heavier weights, but we really don't think that for most people that a belt is really necessary for just general strength training.
1: Yeah. We think that usually for most people, you don't need to be approaching weights that are that high up in your like ability levels that like that high of a max that you need a belt. Um, so a belt kind of gets you to a level that you couldn't get to on your own, basically. And mm-hmm. that's essentially what it's doing. Um, for safety reasons, like she mentioned, like some people say that for safety reasons, it's good when you start reaching higher weights. And that is true to an extent um, when you are like prepping for a meet and you are going to be doing a lot of repetitions at very high weights. Um, that's the
0: key right there. It's, it's high volume at high intensities yeah. and it's to help you just a little bit in order to buffer fatigue and stuff like that. And so if you're not touching those high intensities super, super often because you're not, you know, a competitive powerlifter or you're not a competitive, you know, a weightlifting athlete of some sort, um, then it just doesn't really, it's not really necessary.
1: Right. Yeah. Um,
0: You know, I've actually never, have never worn a belt in my lifting career ever. Um, I think you did just to get used to it for your powerlifting meet, right? Because you are actually competing.
1: Right. And so I wanted to, I knew I wanted to compete with the belt because in that, like in that instance I'm actually looking for a competitive edge right Mm -hmm. I'm actually trying to beat out someone else who is my same size who might have had the same ability to train as me and like maybe a belt would give me that little extra like five pound advantage yeah um so because I knew I was going to be competing that way I actually wore it in my training mostly just to be familiarize myself with the belts yeah. it was more about like doing what I was going to be doing in competition um than it was about like a safety thing or anything like that because right. for the most part I'd, I'd much prefer to train without it because I, I do want to know that my body is actually doing what it's supposed to to stabilize my spine and that I'm actually using my core to do that um which you have to still do all those things with the belt yeah but the belt just makes you not have to do it so much. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, I think uh, there's a misconception with belts thinking that people just put it on really tight and that acts as their core and their bracing mechanism. Yeah. You don't want it so tight. You, you want it obviously like firm around you. But the big thing that we're trying to do with the belt is trying to take a deep breath in and breathe into it. And by breathing into it, you start to create a lot of uh, just pressure and intra-abdominal pressure. It's called um, throughout your midsection, and that creates that sort of stability and buffer of um, you know stressors, basically. Yeah,
1: and if the belt is too tight, you can't and you can't breathe into it. Then you actually can't use any of that. You can't use intra-abdominal pressure. You're yeah. just relying on the belt to be your core, um, yeah. which is not the idea of the belt. Yeah, because so some people point. get
0: it so tight that it actually makes them like hollow out and that's like the last thing you want to do for a heavy lift so um it's more of a it helps give you feedback for breathing basically yeah um and then i would i would also say that if you're like a really big strength enthusiast and you like it's really important for you to put up um you know challenging numbers for yourself like i don't think there's anything wrong with going through a, a little phase of lifting with the bell just to increase your uh your numbers here and there um it's just not something that we think is really necessary for most people though
1: Cool. All right. Question number two is from Mary KO 986. And she said, what are some considerations for exercise order of accessory movements after your main lift? For mm-hmm. example, I'm following a five three one one program. So say I back squat Monday and then select five full body movements like hip thrust, single arm kettlebell press, staggered stance deadlift, TRX rows, side planks. Great combination there. Uh, to do afterwards, do I? Do you have a recommendation for how I should progress through them?
0: Um, I thought this was a really good question. Yeah, great. Um, so, you know, something that we do for like a general example of a strength block for uh, one of our members might be, um, a collection of, let's say six strength exercises and we break them up into three supersets. So a superset is a pairing of exercises. So we'd have A1, A2, and then we'd have them break and then go into B1, B2, have them break after that, and then go C1, C2. And so A1, A2 typically is a main lift, so like a bench, squat, deadlift, something like that. And then A2 is usually like a mobility or maybe like a stability-based drill. And then from there, what we do is B1, B2 is usually an accessory movement that is still very challenging, but not one that is as challenging as let's say a bench squat or deadlift, but maybe like a heavy reverse lunge, a Romanian deadlift, um, a step up, something that you can definitely load up and challenge yourself with. And same thing with B2. And then C1 and C2 tend to be something that is less challenging because you're going to be in a more fatigued state. So we don't want to start you know, putting a power clean there because that, that, that wouldn't be an ideal situation to uh, to do that. Uh, but maybe we do like a side plank or a hip thrust or maybe something that's more body weight-y or core E <laughs> something along those lines that's just less um, intensive on your system.
1: Yeah. So if you're looking at the exercises that she gave, like she said, for example, mm-hmm. um, so after her main lift, say she was doing a back squat, for example... Um, hip thrust, kettlebell press, staggered stance, deadlift, TRX, row, side plank. So what we would probably do, we pick four of those maybe. So we would pick hip thrusts because those are going to be heavy with a barbell that's still going to take a lot of energy out of you. Mm-hmm. We'd probably go hip thrusts and kettlebell presses yep. paired together. Also, it's going to be a lower body. And if you're doing a total body workout, a lower body and an upper body pairing would be good um so we'd probably go hip thrust and kettlebell presses because those are a little bit more demanding that would be b1 b2 and then trx rows and side planks are a little less demanding overall that would be c1 c2 yeah. um so and also there's considerations when you're putting these things together about what um movement patterns you're putting together and pairing because mm. that can actually also um be a little bit tricky so You don't want to put necessarily like two exercises that are super taxing on your grip, let's say. So like a a single leg deadlift paired with a pull-up might actually end up being really taxing on the grip so that it may actually take away, they may take away from each other. So after holding dumbbells in a single leg deadlift, if you then go to do a pull-up but your grip is taxed, you're going to feel like you can't do as many pull-ups. Totally, yeah. Um, So instead what we would probably do is pair um, like a single leg deadlift with a push-up. Yep. Because that way you're you're using different, much different muscle groups. They're not competing with each other. Basically, we're looking for non-competing muscle groups. Yes,
0: exactly. And that's actually, it's funny because I was exactly, I was going to go there exactly. <laughs> um, so that's why we go with typically a hinge and a push paired together and a squat and a pull paired together. Right. And that really takes care of grip being the limiting factor. Unless, of course, we want to tax the grip for whatever reason. Right, maybe. if
1: somebody's a climber or something yeah, like that, we exactly. may want that. Yeah,
0: Um but in most cases, we like that sort of non-competing um, aspect to things. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I think that clears it up. Yeah, that was pretty good. Cool. Cool. All right. <laughs> if we do
0: say so ourselves. <laughs> I
1: think that was a pretty darn good answer. Uh, <laughs> all right. So last question. This one is from stellra Twelve, and this is actually a comment on a post. Yes. Um, so
0: we we made a post about three different potential mistakes that might be occurring when you're deadlifting. One was um, like the bar getting away from you, so kind of like pulling away from your shins as you're lifting, so you want to keep that bar in close. One was... Rounding your back. Oh yeah, rounding your back, um, which um, you definitely don't want to do. Um, and then the third one was hips shooting up early while you're going through the pull. And this one we see pretty commonly. So basically, let's say someone has a relatively solid start position. As they pull up, ideally, their torso angle should remain generally the same as they go through and the bar passes like above their knees or so. But some people will have their hips shoot way up and that leaves their torso way far forward and it ends up looking more like a Romanian deadlift. And when you're in this position, what happens is your legs are nearly straight, and your back is way over the bar, and that basically takes your legs out of the equation. Yikes! <laughs> that was my backpack with my camera in it. Hopefully, it's fine. Um, I all, it's I,
1: all I did was point at it and, and make a face instead of actually trying to save it.
0: <laughs> I was like, it's going down. Um, and that really takes your legs out of the equation. So what we'd ideally like is to have their hips down slightly lower and maintain that torso angle as they go through the lift. Um, so the
1: actual question was um, from this person was, anything other than dropping weight to fix this variation that you're talking about? I have pretty good form until I get in the 90% range. I can't figure out what I need to work on. It's like the bar is stuck to the floor.
0: Yeah, so I, I think the, the big thing is probably working on wedging. You want to talk yeah. about wedging?
1: Yeah, so wedging is a concept that is a little hard to explain over like via... Um, talking. (laughs) Verbally. Um, it's a little bit easier to like have be hands on with somebody when you're trying to show them, but I'll do the best I can. So when we're talking about wedging, what we're talking about is getting yourself into a position where you're, you are creating a little bit more tension, um, in your entire body. And the way to do this with the deadlift is when you go to grip the bar, what you're going to do is you're actually going to pull up on the bar while simultaneously dropping your hips down. And what that's going to do is it's just going to create this, this overall tension in your whole body where the bar is actually going to start to feel like it's almost lifting off the floor Mm -hmm. um if if you just drop your hips but you don't pull up on the bar first you're not going to feel this if you just pull up on the bar and you don't drop your hips you're not going to feel it you really need to do those things simultaneously and you can hear if you have like a pretty standard barbell there's actually some space between the bar and like the... Um, the plate. The plate, right. Mm-hmm. And so when you pull up, you should actually hear the bar hit the plate. Mm-hmm. So you actually want to make sure that the bar is up against the plate at the top, as opposed to sometimes if, you, if you're if you not doing this, you might hear a little click when you first go to yeah. deadlift. That means you didn't have... You hadn't taken the tension out of that bar yeah. yet.
0: And that's, that's something called uh, pulling the slack out of the bar, yeah. if you've ever heard that term. But basically, if there's any sort of slack on the bar and you pull really aggressively off the floor... There's a big time energy leak because you are still having to account for that little bit of space. Even though it's like a millimeter or two, it's still a big deal, especially as weights get to that 90% and above range. Yeah. Um, So that's probably the number one thing that we'd say. Um, And unfortunately, it probably will require a little bit of time dropping the weights, But at least now, it's not just dropping the weights just to lighten the load. It's dropping the weights to make sure that you're practicing and refining a technique that's going to help out when you get to heavier loads.
1: Yeah. And the other thing too is when you're first starting trying this out to go a little bit slower through the repetition, Yeah, um, Yeah. that's one of the big things that we see is people rushing the rep and that's when they're not really in full control of the rep. So they don't even notice that their hips are shooting up Mm -hmm. or they can't can't stop it from happening because they're going too fast. Um, This isn't a Strategy you want to use at ninety yeah. percent because you don't want to think about going slow. You need to think about getting the bar <laughs> off the ground, and so you actually want to think more about going fast at that point. Um, but if you haven't practiced this kind of like wedging form, mm-hmm. um, you want to try to do that a little at a little bit slower speeds. You can even even program in specific tempos like you can do a four second concentric which is like a four second lift so you're actually maintaining that tension and maintaining that good positioning all the way up to the top taking four to five seconds to get up there and then just lowering it down normally
0: yeah Uh, slowing it down really just helps you to feel if you're actually properly wedged in between the floor and the barbell and you'll, you'll see this actually with higher level power lifters they'll approach the bar they grab the bar They have their hips up really high up at first and their knees almost locked out. And then they slowly almost like pump themselves down while they're wedging themselves into the right position. And then instead of lifting from there, they'll actually go back up again. It's almost like taking like practice wedges before (laughs) you actually lift it up. Kind of like how a golfer would practice putts or a baseball uh, player might take some practice swings. Kind of the same concept. Just getting that, making sure that they're optimally wedged right between the barbell and the floor. Yeah. Um, um,
1: another thing, another thing that you can do to practice is you can do just, um, like offs from mm. the floor. So you can just do a, instead of doing a full deadlift, you can get yourself into the setup position and practice lifting just an inch off the floor without letting your hips shoot up. Yeah. Um, so that way, cause that's really when it's going to happen is in that first inch off the floor is when you're going to shoot up. So practice just getting into position you can do this with lighter weights you can do this before your set just with some lighter weights as like part of your warm-up and then it will prepare your body for kind of like a little bit of muscle memory to go into your heavier set yeah um but doing those little liftoffs and just holding off the floor for like five seconds and trying to maintain that good position could also really help that,
0: that one's a, an awesome drill um and it's like it's a little bit unsatisfying because you don't actually <laughs> f- fulfill the lift itself but um you can really start to feel whether or not you're in the right position um, and then final piece is some people are just have more hip strength compared to, uh, let's say, knee and quad strength. And so they like to transfer stress towards their glutes, their hamstrings, and their lower back. Um, if this is the case, some additional quad work might actually help out in terms of doing things like reverse lunges or split squats or front squats or narrow stance goblet squats. Things like that come to mind in order to make sure that your quads are also engaging enough so that your body feels comfortable being in this slightly hips down posture. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cool. All right. Well, those were our three questions for today. Do we have any other topics we wanted to go over? It was a pretty quick, quick episode.
0: Um, no, I think, I think the only thing is uh, we mentioned this in the last episode, but um, this is kind of the last call that we're taking for our 14 day mentorship program. This is for personal trainers, fitness coaches, um, aspiring fitness coaches and personal trainers, And basically, it's going to be 14 days of kind of like a beta testing session for us, at least, for our Achieve Mentors platform. And basically, what we want to do is just test out um, how things work in terms of like Facebook Lives, um, podcasts for the group, um, uploading uh, different types of documents and seeing which resonates uh, the most with uh, which people. But basically, it's for us to just test out what we're going to be doing within the group itself and making sure that we make it run seamlessly when we actually officially launch. But it's going to be a 14-day program, and we've got basically half of those days, so seven days of content. And it's going to be covering program design. It's going to be covering injury considerations, um, our nutritional approach with our members, um, uh, how to sell yourself as a personal trainer, um, 20 tips uh, for personal trainers that we think that all personal trainers should know. Um, kind of runs the gamut from all these different um just, just the, the total spectrum for fitness coaches. Um, and then beyond that, in between those days is going to be more of a discussion-based thing where we discuss the topic from the day before and we also just bring up new topics of discussion uh, to make sure that we, we um, just just get people talking as much as possible to make sure that we collaborate as much as we can. Um, but that's going to be happening. It's uh, So if you're on Facebook, look up Achieve Mentors Public Group and you can join. It's going to be from this December 1st through December 14th uh, but we're super excited about it it's going to be a lot of fun um, and yeah it's just going to be awesome
1: yeah we can't wait
0: yeah cool, cool.
1: alright so those are all the answers that we have to your burning questions for today thank you so much for sending them in if you have burning questions of your own you can message us at Achieve Fitness Boston on Instagram or you can comment on one of our posts and we'll see it there um We would love a a, uh, (laughs) iTunes review. (laughs) I totally lost my train of thought. (laughs) We would love an iTunes review if you like the podcast. Uh, We really, really appreciate those. And until next time, peace, love, and and muscles. muscles.